third man walking. As I understand it, live poker is better in the US than it is in many other countries where poker is popular. The games in other countries are usually tougher because online poker has, since 2011, been more clearly legal than it is in the US. Black Friday a decade ago essentially shut down online poker in the eyes of many US players. Online poker is the best testing ground for new strategies and the best space for aspiring pros to put in lots of practice. Poker has gotten harder in US casinos over the past decade, but in other countries it's been in overdrive. And there can be other reasons why players from outside the U.S. prefer to play here. The rake in U.S. casinos, and especially in Los Angeles, isn't cheap, but it's better than it is in casinos in many countries. For example, a few years ago I played a little bit in Australia, and the rake there was something like 11 U.S. dollars per hand. That money really adds up and makes the games hard to grind unless they're outstanding. So players from other countries often find opportunities in live games in major U.S. markets. American players typically, and sometimes derisively, refer to these players as Euros because they're mostly from Europe, although they also come from other parts of the world, especially Australia and South America. Often these players set up shop with their friends in casino hotels or Airbnbs and grind for months at a time. They're usually at least pretty good and sometimes very good, so American players can get a little annoyed at having to compete against them. Obviously, I'd prefer that my tables contain as few good players as possible, but I personally can't get too annoyed with these so-called Euros. I'm not from Los Angeles either, and I moved thousands of miles to play here, so these international players are basically just me, but from other countries. Earlier this year, Winamax Europe began releasing a YouTube series called Inside the Mind of a Pro. You'll hear me discuss it a little bit with my guest later in this episode. It features top European players explaining their thoughts as they play tournaments, many of them from the 2019 World Series of Poker in Las Vegas. There's a ton of trash talk about American players, how we never bluff, how our changes in bet sizes reveal the strength of our hands, and generally how we aren't very good. So apparently there's money to be made playing live poker in the US, even if you have to travel halfway across the world and get an Airbnb in an expensive market like LA. Most of the international pros who come to Los Angeles can't stay for more than a few months a year due to visa limitations. So they're here for a while and then they're replaced by a new group. There are sometimes strange cycles where there are fewer of these sorts of players in LA. December 2019, for example, was an especially good month for LA poker because so many of these international pros went home for the holidays. But conditions change. The viability of bigger games at various casinos in LA often depends on how many international pros are playing at that casino at that time and how good they are. Just a month later, in January 2020, 510 games at the Commerce Casino went from terrific to very bad almost overnight, as a number of international players left their homes after the holidays and came to LA right around the start of the Commerce's LAPC tournament series. Ironically, these players probably arrived when they did, not only because the holidays were over, but because they anticipated the LAPC would make games better than they typically are. Instead, they were much worse, which meant that I stopped going to commerce most days and played elsewhere. These days, of course, there are very few international pros working in LA. The casinos are closed due to the coronavirus, and when they do reopen, I suspect safety concerns and travel issues will create roadblocks for many players. Today, I'm joined on Third Man Walking by my friend Claudio Marnescu. Before COVID, Claudio left his native Romania to travel around the world playing poker. He and I have played hundreds of hours together, 
first in a deep 5-5 game, and then last year at 5-10 and 5-10-20. Some of you may remember that he joined me in the booth at Live at the Bike last March. We recorded this interview a few weeks ago in mid-December. Claudio, thank you for joining me on Third Man Walking. Thank you for having me. I think the last time we talked was in March, right before the casinos got shut down in L.A. What have you been up to this year? Actually, I was talking with my girlfriend the other day that uh, we need to make the Christmas tree. And we remember that exactly one year ago we were in Macau. We just moved into a new apartment and uh, we were making the, the Christmas tree there. Now we are uh, back in Romania and we have a cat. So uh, pretty much everything has changed in the last year. Yeah, poker-wise, of course, uh, as um, many live poker pros, I was uh, forced to go back to the online streets. And uh, it's been a hell of a ride. (laughs) But I'm sure we can get to this uh, later. So when you say you got a cat, does that mean you're staying in Romania for quite a while then? For quite a while, yeah. We've been here since March. We flew straight from US to Romania. Uh, We were actually considering moving back to Macau from there, but right at the moment when we decided that, okay, let's buy tickets, go back to Macau, because we had an apartment there and all our stuff were in uh, Macau. But like an hour before we decided, they closed Macau for tourists and they never opened it again, not even to today. I'm glad that happened because uh, it would have been a very expensive stay in Macau (laughs) with no poker. Back then, we were still hoping that things will get back to normal in like a few months or so. But uh, eventually, uh, it turned out things were not going to be back to normal. So all your things are still in Macau? Yes. Yes. Uh, Fortunately, we had a friend who uh, took uh, the things from our apartment and initially took the things to his place. And then he gave up to his apartment and uh, moved everything to a storage. So, yeah, everything is still there. (laughs) Where all have you played poker in the past couple of years? Well, uh, let's start with 2018 when uh, we decided that we should go together. And when I say we, it's me and my my girlfriend. Up to that point, I was doing uh, like one month, two months trips to different different location, either US, even Macau, and other trips to Europe. But in 2018, we said, okay, we should uh, spend more time together and let's let's do something about it. And um, she quit her job and we hit the road. Uh, she was actually not very happy about leaving her job and coming uh, with me because, you know, what, what would she do? Like, okay, I have the poker, but in theory it sounds fun okay let's just travel but you actually need something to do and uh, we decided to invest in uh, 
in an online store, we opened a business on uh, Amazon. And that was her thing to take care of. And uh, yeah, we, we spent a few months in like maybe half year in the US. And then uh, we went to Macau for uh, more than a year up to uh, actually up to January this year. So you didn't really spend any time in Romania where you're from in those in those couple of years, No, right? no. We just flew from one place to another uh, without passing through Romania. Just So we, we really left for good <laughs> back then. We, we gave up to our apartment that we had uh, in Bucharest. Yeah, now we are back. Fortunately, we do have another apartment in another city in Transylvania uh, here in Romania. Why is uh, Romania not the best place to play live poker? Well, I played in Romania for like two years, more or less. Here is where I built my live bankroll. Of course, initially I started with online poker from 2012 to 2016. And then uh, I moved to Bucharest to play online poker. And it is a good place to start. I mean, for if you are Romanian, of course, it's not worth it for anyone to come here and grind. But for me, it was a very good place to start because playing online up to one two dollars i didn't had a very big bankroll to play live so um the 2.5 dollar game in bucharest was exactly what i needed to to uh, learn playing live and move up in stakes and this is what i did i built like uh two five us bankroll and then uh, slowly started to do trips outside uh, Romania and uh, build a bigger bankroll so I can afford to play bigger games and not worry too much about uh, my bankroll. So yes, it, it was a good place for me to start. Now, not so much, of course. The games are, are small. The bigger game, that the biggest game you will find in a casino regularly, it's like... A, to five game that will sometimes play bigger with straddle and uh, of course there are the private games the home games which i just a few months ago i started to get some invites and uh, that's been going pretty well that's pretty much it with uh, romanian poker now it's closed everything closed everywhere but are you are you playing home games now yeah, I have a once a week game. They're like a 2-5 game that plays very big with no rake. So basically we just pay the dealer and uh, the guy who has the place just give him something. We pay like $10 a night <laughs> to play in, uh, in the game. So uh, that's a very good game uh, considering you don't pay rake. It's uh, too bad that it's only once a week, but now we, we've started to do it more often and uh, also got some invites into other games. So uh, things start to look uh, quite well for me here uh, from this point of view. What made the United States an attractive place to play poker for you? 
this is a question that I never thought about. It's just everybody knows that, okay, United States, Las Vegas, the American dream, you have to play poker in Las Vegas, you know? It was like a big, big dream for me when first starting playing poker, thinking, only thinking about the fact that I might end up uh, playing poker in Vegas or somewhere else in the US was just incredible. I couldn't think about this. I was just, okay, man, just do your thing. You're not gonna get there. So yeah, I think it's everybody's dream to, to play there. I don't think people necessarily think that they want to play there because the games are so good and they're going to make a lot of money. It's just the the idea that, okay, I'm going to the U.S. Uh, maybe, maybe you guys who have lived there the whole life won't appreciate this as much as we do. But yeah, this was for me living the dream, you know, traveling, playing poker uh, in Vegas. Uh, and I, I got there pretty quick compared to what I uh, expected. And then I realized that it's not such a big deal, you know, after you play there, oh, it's just normal people, normal life. There's poor people, rich people, uh, everything in the mix. How, so you've played poker in the US, you play poker in Asia and in Europe. How do your opponents in the US compare to opponents in Europe or opponents in Asia? Okay, that's a very good question, and there are some some important differences. I'd start with with Romanian poker games, and I think this is uh, this applies to Eastern Europe very well. The atmosphere in the casino it's very different than U.S. Let's say because when a losing player comes to the casino and most of the players are losing either uh, if we are talking about poker or casino games they come with the idea that they are gonna win big and change their lives you know they come and play roulette and play bigger and bigger sums thinking that they're gonna get it all back and then go home happy and uh, change their lives from one night of uh, gambling in casino and when that idea is smashed, they are left with nothing but anger. So it would be very often that people will get angry, they will start cursing the dealer and the staff and other players. And uh, yeah, these things are more acceptable here than in the US especially from coming from players who have a lot of money to lose. So, um, yeah, this is the main bad thing for Romanian poker. That sounds, just, that sounds like a, uh, an idea of gambling that I see in movies, but that I don't really see a lot in U.S. casinos. Yes, exactly. And then if I were to compare with the U.S. games, People, if they come with $1,000 in in the casino, they come in with those money to lose it. If they win, okay, very good. They will go out and uh, spend it somewhere else. But they, they're they not going to get mad. They're not going to 
curse the dealer or things like that. And also that's because the rules are more strict there, so they won't be allowed to do that. But yeah, it's it's more pleasant to play there and nobody has anything with you. You just play your game. Here in Romania, there's a thing. If you play too tight, they will call you a bunker, like your knit. Uh, and I, I, in the beginning, I had a very hard time with, with uh, the guys in, at the casino because I was playing very tight. And, uh, you know, when a new regular comes in, in, in the game, they always try to give him a hard time. So, yeah, I had my hard time with this, but I've almost never seen this in the US games. People are just playing their game, they hit and run, they do whatever they want, nobody says anything. Um, Yeah, hit and run, this is another thing. In the casino where I played, if you win, you have to play at least two hours. You can't leave if you are are winning. (laughs) This might seem odd to some of you. Well, in in home games in the U.S., that's that's often a policy. You have to. There are some home games where if you're winning, you have to give 30 minutes notice before you leave. Yeah, in home games, I, I it makes more sense than in a casino where nobody owes you anything and nobody owes anyone anything. In a home game, it's different because someone invited you. You have a certain responsibilities there and stuff like that. But yeah, there there are different type of rules like this that make the game a little bit more, um, I mean, less enjoyable. But uh, on the other hand, that's because players do uh, abuse uh, this type of situations. Like there are many players who would hit and run if they if they didn't have such a rule. So I understand why they put it. And now moving to the Macau games. That's a whole different thing from all points of view. It's not for everyone. It's it's different to accommodate the the type of strategy they play. At first, it's like I would say people play overall tight, but they are very spewy. So you would see a player who doesn't play anything for two three hours, and then he just spews goes all in preflop with a weird hand or stuff like that and it's hard to accommodate to to the games um i know many people who came to macau and said oh man i don't know how how can you play in in those games also the language barrier it's unbelievably um difficult to take because first the dealers don't really speak english and if you want to explain to them some advanced concept about what happened in a hand in a closed situation or whatever, you have no chance for him to understand you. <laughs> so the game is is uh, a bit uh, different. It plays different, different players, different type of mentality, strategy, everything. Uh, it's hard for me even to describe it, but... People who've been there know what I'm talking about. Uh, just to give you an idea, I had an I had an experience where I got it all in preflop with aces, and the board comes king and whatever, 
it was a king high on the flop. And then the my opponent shows his cards to someone behind him, like he, I imagine he was saying from from uh, his uh, body language, I imagine that he was something like, look, man, again, I had queens against aces or ace king against aces. What can I do? You know, and he shows the card to, to this guy behind him. And then he, this was after I showed my aces, and then he shows me two kings. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's weird. And then some other time, uh, I have a flush, like a small flush, and I go all in on the river, I get called, I show my flush, the other guy so, shows uh, not flush, and everybody at the table star, starts applauding, you know? Like, Way to go, you fuck him, good. <laughs> <laughs> When you're in the U.S. and you're playing 5'10 or bigger, there's probably going to be at least two or three players at the table who are who are traveling like you're traveling. And I imagine in Macau that number is even higher. Do you feel a sense of identification with those other players, like your friends or you're united because you're doing the same thing? Or do you mostly feel competitive with them? Yeah, I would say more so I feel united with them because... I mean, more in the in Macau because we are outsiders there. So everyone speaks Chinese. They speak Chinese uh, to each other. Uh, nobody speaks English. And uh, more, I mean, very often you can't help but start talking with them the way the Chinese players are talking between them. So, uh, yeah, that creates a different... Uh, connection between an European guy and me and uh, yeah I've made quite a few friends uh, over there uh, not necessarily people that I talk to daily but you know we help each other with uh, if we need like uh, accommodation or things like that in the beginning I was paying uh, by night to another poker, an Irish guy who was there for a few years and he had an apartment rented and I was I, I rented a room from him. So yeah, I, there's a group on Facebook where you can uh, ask for accommodation and stuff like that and everybody is very hel helpful. Um, there's a guy who lives there and has a, a Macau wife and he helped me move some money from Macau to Romania. He sent me some Bitcoin and, you know, these things happen and are very, very useful if you know the right people. And by the way, I just got the Bitcoin from Macau right before the the Bitcoin implode, I mean, exploded to 20K, I saw it now. <laughs> before this year, did any place feel like home to you? Interesting question. I think we we managed to make the home where we were. In Macau, we stayed the first year, we stayed in the same apartment almost uh, the whole year. And uh, yeah, we started to buy things that you would buy only if you had your home, like kitchen dishes and stuff like that. Like even we bought a, a heater. <laughs> because they don't have uh, central heating there in Macau. 
and uh, yeah, we have a bunch of things that we bought for the house that we rented last year. Like I said, we even made the Christmas tree last year. But then also when we were in the US, we would rent long term an Airbnb and we would make from that our home. Yeah, we don't have, I, I wouldn't say we feel like home here in Romania. And I think that's also because we are used with, I don't know how to put this, like we left from our first home, so to speak, like where I was born in northern Romania. I left when I was 19, I left for college in another city and uh, it's, it's actually the city where I live now, Cluj-Napoca. And I would stay in a dorm room in the first year, then I rented another place with some colleagues, then moved back to a dorm room, then changed. Like I, I stayed like in seven apartments in this city alone. Then we moved to Bucharest and we stayed like in three places there. And then, you know, moving... Uh, around Europe and then US and Macau and everything it it became our second nature to always like pack unpack we already know what we need what we don't so uh, everywhere is our home <laughs> I didn't ask you much about what games you're, you've been playing yeah so after I got back to Romania and this was something that I wanted to do even before I wanted to take a, like a two, three months break from live and play online to upgrade my game. So I moved right into the online games, playing one, two dollars on PokerStars and um, then tried some two, five because I was coming from five, 10, 10, 20 live. And I said, uh, the games are too small for me to play 50 cents, one dollar. And I have to play higher, but um, like in the first week or first two weeks, I just I lost like 20 buy-ins, and I said, okay, I have to regroup here. <laughs> Those games are unbelievably hard, right? Yeah, pretty hard. First month in March and April, games were unbelievably soft because everybody was playing poker, everybody was uh, closed inside. Here in Europe, was everything closed? So uh, in, initial, the games were very good, but uh, I was very bad. <laughs> so I didn't took advantage of that boom. And then slowly I started to study very slowly because I just, I don't know, it, it was very hard for me to go back and study in a way that will matter in the online games because in live games it's enough to just talk a hand with someone and run a hand through a simulator or it's okay it's enough um, but for online it's very tough so uh, I was very lazy I just well, I was procrastinating uh, every day so it took me quite a few months to to upgrade my game to a winning level in uh, online and now I think it's working pretty good I'm still playing 1-2 uh, and uh, when the games are good I uh, play some 2-5 uh, on PokerStars and that's pretty much it uh, online 
Yeah, that that is frustrating to have to move down that far, and that's what I found too. I I, I basically do the same thing on ignition, play one two zone, and then occasionally play two fifty five. The the five dollar blind games are usually quite hard, and even the one two games, you know, people do a lot of crazy things in them, but they're the kinds of crazy things that increase variance, and they're they're crazy in aggressive ways. Yes, and sometimes. Because of that, at least in my games, I in in my case, I I feel like I need to do like out of the ordinary things in order to beat the game. When but you don't. actually that's the thing. you yeah. don't. Yeah. yeah. In fact, exactly. that's bad. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's the thing. Uh, if you just have patience and play the spots that came to you, come to you, it's it's all good. You don't have to. But sometimes I see a very good regular that has eight BBs win rate, and I say, "Oh man, this guy is good. I have to play tricky. I have to do stuff." And then is when I lose. Yeah, yeah. Have you um, have you seen this series on YouTube by Winamax? This uh, Inside the Mind of a Pro series. No, I don't think so. Uh, it's it's uh, it's it's about tournament players. Um, but it's it's very interesting, like that they show live footage of somebody playing, but they sh- show what their cards are, and they they use a voiceover and talk about what they're thinking, and it's it's all these like really good players like Adrian Mateos and stuff. And what's been most interesting about it to me is that they're not doing crazy things actually; they're just doing good fundamental poker very precisely, like more precisely than I play it. Um, yes, and it's you know they're not operating on a completely different level; they're just more precise. Yeah, yeah, that's the key. I, I agree. It's just a, a matter of execution. You have to execute a very robust strategy. And yeah. That's it. Well, Claudio, thank you for joining us. Best of luck to you in whatever your near future is, whether that means staying in Romania and playing online or getting back on the road at some point. All right. Thank you very much for uh, having me on the podcast. Thanks for listening to Third Man Walking. You can find me on Twitter at Third Walking or via email at thirdmanwalkingpodcast at gmail.com.